Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is a friend of mine who's actually been on the show twice before. He's the only three-peat, <laughs> the only three-peat on this show. Uh, joining me today is Mr. Traver Bohm. And we are going to have a very not safe for work conversation about sex and intimacy. But it's more than that. It's actually more than a conversation about sex and intimacy. We dive pretty deep into a dialogue about power dynamics within sex. Uh, We talk quite a bit about uh, the very end of the show. We talk about consent and getting clear on where some of those lines are. We talk about how to explore the dominant and submissive roles within partnership, within sex specifically. And these can be hard conversations to have with your partner. These can be hard conversations to start to explore with yourself because sex can bring up so much conflict and it can bring up a lot of confrontation within us. And this is something that over the years, Vienna and I have found to be uh, very important and very critical with relationships specifically. And if you have been a part of the Relationship Reset Challenge, uh, one of the, if you were one of the 10,000 people, 10,000 plus people that we had signed up for the challenge, uh, one of the last days was on sex and intimacy. And we touch a little bit on the, uh, on the importance of sex and intimacy and how to start having these conversations. And these conversations can be charged because we are often very sensitive to the language that's being used and people are very sensitive to taking things personally in the bedroom. And so if there are communication breakdowns in your relationship, they are oftentimes accentuated within the bedroom. Now, what I do want to say is that Traver is fairly blunt force trauma (laughs) in this episode. Uh, It is, and I would imagine uh, might be confronting for a few people. Um, There is a lot of uh, explicit language. There's a good amount of explicit language on, on his side, but we do talk Uh, a little bit about why that language comes up. And we talk about the dominant submissive role, uh, how to have the conversations with your partner about what you would like to explore in the bedroom, some of the shame that can come up, some of the healing that can come up. And we we do scratch the surface on some of these pieces. And there's so much more to dive into, especially around healing sexually and healing in our lives um, with sex. And that is a big topic that I will be exploring in the near future with a few of the guests that I have coming on the show. And uh, so stay tuned for that. But with uh, without any further delay, I wanted to bring on Traver, but just a quick reminder for all the guys that are on the uh, show today that are listening, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow along on Instagram at Man Talks, or head on over to Facebook and join the 4,200 plus men that we have in the Man Talks community, it's growing quite quickly. And we've got some great dialogues that happen in there, and it seems to be a huge value to a lot of men. So head on over, check that out. And without any further delay, please welcome Mr. Traver Bohm. It is always a pleasure, Connor. Good to see you again. Yeah, man. So good. We've we've had a few chats, and they seem to get progressively more and more in-depth and more and more <laughs> raw and... Uh, <laughs> I think our last one definitely had some some juicy bits in there. And so yeah. uh, we're, you know, I'm not going to ask you the question of the defining moment because mm-hmm. uh, if people want to hear more about that, they can go back and listen to the first time that I had you on the show. Sure. Uh, and your, you know, your story with divorce and, and mm-hmm. um, the just the transition that you went through there. So, so if people want to learn more about Trevor's story, definitely go check out the first interview that I did with him. Uh, that's a great, great, solid interview. But today we're going to really talk about sex. And mm, this is good. a big one. I, I don't even really, you know, I think the great part about this is that I have a few things that I, you know, I, I, I want to talk about with you. I kind of want this to be like a dialogue because we both do men's work. Um, mm. You're actually coming to help facilitate the men's weekend that 
mm-hmm. is sold out on on May seventeenth, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're like checking the calendar. You're like, yeah, oh yeah, do I, do I have that on the calendar? Uh, <laughs> is that right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should I be somewhere right now? Um, just like all of a sudden, anxiety is like. But uh, you know, we both do men's work, and I think both of us have a, a pretty you know unique perspective into the behind the scenes challenges that a lot of guys will yeah. open up and talk about. And so today, I kind of want to talk about some of those challenges, but I also want to talk about power dynamics, mm. and I also want to talk about the you know the the maybe around consent a little bit, mm-hmm. and. And you know how sex can get stagnant in relationships because I think that's a huge fear that I hear from guys, and maybe we can start there. But a huge fear that I hear from some guys is like, I don't know if I'm made to be with one woman. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm, you know, and I'm so worried that in ten years sex is going to be boring. And I always hear that, and I'm like, well, what are you not asking for right now right. that is causing you anxiety about shitty sex in the future? Right. What are you not bringing into the relationship? What are you not willing to bring into the relationship right now? So maybe let's just start with what challenges do you hear men talk about when it comes to sex and intimacy? And I know there's a few of them. So, (laughs) so maybe we'll just talk about some of the most most, more prominent ones. You know, you mentioned a biggie, which is, uh, I love my partner. I love her to death. She is the one for me. Like the sun rises and falls with her comma, and everywhere I go, I want to fuck 20-year-olds. Mm. Or I want to fuck the woman at my gym. I want to fuck the woman at my car wash. Um, I had a, a, a buddy even say, he's like, am I, am I okay? Uh, the nurse who was helping my wife deliver our baby. <laughs> I sat there for a second and was like, man, she's got a great ass. And so I think there's the guilt mm. about it being um, black and white. Mm-hmm. That we are taught, or I was taught, that you love your wife, you love your partner, you don't fantasize about other women, you don't think about other women. If they catch you, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. There's this good bad uh, paradigm that gets put on it. So that's a biggie for men. Of is it okay that I have a sexuality that's fifty feet wide, and the marital paradigm that I'm in is two feet wide? Mm-hmm. And if so, what do I do about that? Do I white knuckle it and hope that? I just stay faithful. Do I supplement it with aggressive porn or porn that's the flavor of sex that I'm looking for, but I'm not getting? Uh, so that's a biggie. All men, or not, I won't say all men, a lot of men want to have more and more adventurous and more open minded and more colorful sex than they're getting. Mm-hmm. That's a biggie too. And last, you, you touched on it. Uh, so many men are terrified of initiating a power dynamic in their sexual relationship. Yeah, and I, I think we'll we'll hold on the power dynamics because that's sure. gonna be a, that's gonna be a good one for us to dive into. But why? So you mentioned a few of the reasons why you know guys. There's the shame around it. There's the mm-hmm. guilt. There's the there's sort of like you know, social conditioning. So so for men that are in monogamous relationships, there mm-hmm. there does seem to be that that challenge. So how have you? How have you wrestled with that yourself? And mm-hmm. when you when you work with men, um, how do you sort of guide that narrative? And and do you think? Yeah, because part of this for me is like, I think this comes down to a almost like a rejection of our primal side. You mm-hmm. know, it's almost like because our primal side has been harmful. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, for sure, to the world, to it women, still is harmful. Yeah. yeah, to other men, to children. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been harmful there is this very like large amount of shaming and rejection and like, you know, to go as so far as to, I think I made a post about the primal side in the man talks Facebook community. And someone was, you know, a few guys were like, I don't have primal side. And it's Mm. like, Oh boy. Like that's, that's almost like, that's almost the most not scary, but that's sort of like the most um, challenging one because Of course you do. You're a man. You have testosterone flowing through your veins. You have a primal side that would absolutely destroy someone if they were trying to harm your children in front Mm -hmm. of you, Mm -hmm. right? And so, of course you do. But if it's hidden in the shadows, you can't work with it. If it's hidden in the shadow of your personality. So when it comes to this like primal side and giving ourselves permission within our relationship and starting to explore bringing bringing that primal nature out into our relationship dynamics, specifically with sex, 
Where do you see guys struggling and, and where do you start to guide them? I see guys, first of all, struggling with just, as you mentioned, an ownership of it. Mm. That it's okay if you have a different sex drive than your partner. It's okay if you have a different sexual palate than your partner. It doesn't mean the things that you've probably been shamed for, which would say, you don't love her if you want to fuck other women. Mm. You don't love the mother of your children if you want to bend her over a couch and fuck her like you're trying to kill her, for lack of a better term. <laughs> we'll just say asterisks without yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah, that definitely. Bringing that kind of aggression mm. or that kind of, uh, yeah, we'll just use the word aggression. Uh, so first of all, acknowledging to yourself that, hey, it's okay that I'm like this. Mm. I know in my own journey, that was a huge piece of it. You're like, okay, hey, this is, you know, I, I like this stuff. Mm. And that's okay. The narrow societal paradigm of what sex should look like in a relationship, I don't fit in that box. Mm. And I don't think a lot of guys fit in that box if they're honest. What normally happens, I think, is they get in a relationship with someone who may fit in that box or also thinks that that's the only safe box to be in. And so they tell their partner, if you love me, then we're going to make slow, tender love once a month. If you want more than that, then you're a pervert. If you want more than that, you're an asshole. If you want more than that, you're something else. Shame, shame, shame. Mm. So first is having a guy take a deep breath and go, I can be an amazing father, an amazing soccer coach, an amazing husband or partner, and want to fuck the shit out of my partner in nine different ways in four different countries with three different audiences. Mm. And that's all like, and that's all falls under the category of good person, mm. good man, not bad. You're not a, Oh, we brought the bad paradigm in. No, no, no. It's just accepting that hmm, where we may be working in 2019 with some shifting of outdated sexual models. Where, where do you feel, and it, you know, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of conflict and I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second because I think that there's a lot of conflict when it comes to the word aggression in the mm -hmm. bedroom. Sure. And I think that's, you know, for obvious reasons, largely because so many women and other men have been abused at the hands of aggressive, quote unquote, aggressive men. I mean, it's not always aggressive men. A lot of the times the clients that have, you know, come and work with me that have been sexually abused are, you know, from manipulative men. Right. right. And they right, weren't right. aggressive. They were loving, <clears throat> tender and kind, and they just were fucking snakes in the grass. Right. But when it comes to aggression in the bedroom, there is an incredibly <clears throat> negative connotation around, mm -hmm. uh, around aggressive because there is also the narrative that it's wrong for a, whim, a woman to enjoy more dominant sex. Mm -hmm. I think that's why that word usually comes in. So tell me about aggressive and in the bedroom and, uh, and where you feel like that's okay. I think anything under the umbrella of two adults consenting is more than okay. Mm. I don't give a shit what it is, right? If two adults go, hey, I like this, you like this, cool, let's do this. And there's communication all the way through, especially with aggression. Mm. There's a checking in process that may be verbal, maybe nonverbal, but is very clear. And there's a, an endpoint, there's a safe word, there's a, a code, there's like two taps on the shoulder, and there's the agreement that, hmm, if I see something that makes me go, ah, I'm not sure if he or she is okay, then I, I, as the space holder, as the aggressor, am in charge of that room and that situation. Hmm. So I have no challenges whatsoever, personally, about being aggressive in the bedroom. I have no challenges uh, working with the partners I have to say up front, hey, this is the style that I work best in. This is what turns me on the most. If it turns you on, we're going to be a great match. Mm. If it doesn't turn you on, we're not going to be a great match. If it turns you on, but we're going to have to work through some of your shame around it, we're also a great match. Mm. Because that is part of this process. Part of the healing aspect of even aggressive sex is allowing a woman or let's just say a partner who likes that, that flavor of sex but has shame around it to experience it and then be in a container that's like, hey, that was great, wasn't it? You're safe. 
there's no shame. I don't think any less of you. I actually think more of you because you expressed a part of yourself that was currently hidden. Mm. So, so much of this, Connor, I think if you want to get rid of uh, connotation, it, it starts with communication. Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel like there's a difference? <clears throat> like, how would you define? Because usually when I talk about this, like, I'm just going to be fully transparent. Mm-hmm. I, I usually avoid the word aggressive, like the plague, because, mm-hmm. I mean, for various, various reasons, because there are, you know, also aggressive men and aggressive women that are out there that, mm-hmm. that it's not healthy. It's not mm-hmm. integrated. It's not coming from a good place. It's coming from a harmful place. Mm-hmm. So, how do you see the difference between the, like using the words dominant mm-hmm. and submissive versus mm-hmm. using like the word aggressive? Dominant and submissive to me is simply a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's an agreed upon power dynamic. Aggressive is the energy underneath the action, right? So I can grab someone's hair lovingly, tenderly, harmoniously, and I can do it aggressively. Mm. Both are okay. Both are celebratable mm-hmm. if the discussion has been had beforehand. Mm. If not, then one is truly less, one is more har- potentially harmful than another. Mm. So I look at, and this may sound really fucked up, but I'll just say it. I look at the sexual consent very similar to fighting consent for MMA, mm. right? We're going to train. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to do things that will potentially hurt you. Mm. With the understanding that at any moment you tap and we're out. But if I want to make this real, if I want to get to the edge of wherever the experience is, I got to push that boundary. I have to dance on that boundary. And that requires a consensual conversation. It requires actual consent. And it requires the person who's in the dominant position to be the final word. To say, oh, you didn't tap. So I just sat there and punched you in the face 576 times. No, I fucked up. Yeah. As opposed to being like, well, you should have tapped. Yeah. Right. There's a humanity that we both come into it with. Yeah. And we can see that in MMA, which is a great, Mm -hmm. which is a great example. Where, where do couples start to explore this? Because I think, I think that's the other challenge is that, you know, especially with, so let's just use the term, the term power dynamic, especially with the dominant and submissive roles and not necessarily role playing, but starting to embody some of those stronger energies and those more submissive energies. There can be a lot of shame around people who, for you know, whatever their background was, their, their, their child dynamics and Definitely. their family dynamics and what they were told about <clears throat> sex and the religion that they grew up in. And mm-hmm. there's just like so many of them. But how do couples start to engage in this conversation? Because I think that's one of the big challenges that most people face. It, it all comes down to, the, let's say the, the, it comes down to a conversation. Mm. But what happens before that is the setting of the space of the conversation. So as opposed to me sitting down with a, a, a partner, like and say this is five years into a marriage where we have, an, we have a standardized dynamic, we know what we do, and I've secretly wanted to tie her up the whole time. Mm. as opposed to day one, like at the five year mark sitting down and going, how do you feel about me tying you up and fucking you like a whore? Mm. Probably not the best entry point. <laughs> that might not go over <laughs> super, not go over that well. super well. <laughs> but if I say, Hey, I want to have a conversation with you. It's going to be touchy. It's going to be charged. I want you to know that I don't judge you at all for how you react or how the answer is, but I would love to explore something. And then we, we go to like the, the first degree you know, I would love to explore a little bit of a, a power dynamic in our sexuality or maybe for like 20 minutes, just I get to be in charge and then we talk about it. So you start with the lesser, we don't jump to, you know, black belt level uh, dominance. Yeah. But it, it, here's, here's the, the challenge for both people, Connor. If you want to do a really something really, really, really vulnerable with your partner, tell them your sexual fantasies, mm-hmm. let alone ask them their own. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're gonna have to sit there and watch their face change. Where if you're like, God, I've always wanted to pee on your feet in the shower, and they're like, <laughs> they go disgusted. Yeah, you're like, oh shit, um, yeah, I just effed up, uh, or I just wow, this isn't how I'm gonna take that back. It's not I just effed up. It's wow, this is gonna change things. 
Yeah. And so it's, it's the communication before the communication before the communication, but that, that actual conversation person to person needs to happen. And I say, lead into it gently. Yeah. Right. Hey, last time, last night when we had sex and you know, I was on top the whole time. I really like that. Is that how you like it? Or do you like it when we switch back and forth? Do you like it when you're on top? What do you think if we just took that and turned it up by 5%? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's, I think that's great. Cause I, I you know, <laughs> out of all the men's groups that I've run and just having conversations with some of my clients in like one-on-one settings, it's so interesting. Cause when we get into the conversation of sex, it's like, when was the last time you talked to your partner about sex? And it's like, mm-hmm. And and they're like, oh yeah, well we we talk about sex. It's like, what do you talk about? Well, we talk about when we're having it, or when we're gonna have it, or how we're not having it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what about the actual act of it? What about the desire of what you want to explore? What about the adventure? What about the, you know, what turns you on and the way that you touch her and the way that she touches? You know, like most, it's so interesting to me that most of those conversations, when you dig a little bit deeper with couples, a lot of them aren't having it. At all. And yeah, at all. Like it's just not, it's not even showing up. So I, I like what you're saying around, you know, the conversation before the conversation before the conversation, you know, like yeah. really being able to say, if you want to explore some of those parts, mm-hmm. know that where you are right now might be miles away from where you'd like to explore. And I think that is one of the challenges is that a lot of guys, especially men that watch a ton of porn or have been watching porn will get into a relationship and then they'll expect this like quantum leap of going to this place that, you know, maybe isn't connected, you know, head, heart and gut, maybe isn't connected to, uh, to actually exploring the the partner that they're with but is just like, well, I saw this and so I want to try it out on you. You it's know. a pornographized checklist. Yeah. Yeah. Can can we talk about that? Because I, I do think that porn has really impacted men's view of what sex should look like. Definitely. So from your perspective, as someone that has, you know, ex- explored the the sexual caves. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else we'll call them, but <laughs> how how have you seen or let's just start with you. How did how sure. did porn impact you personally? That's a great question. You know, there was a good portion of my life where porn was front and center Mm. and it was informing and dictating my sex life. And what it did was it got me out of the idea that I need to feel my partner. Mm. So think about that. If I was creating the imagery that I saw and was fantasizing about and wanting to recreate, just like you said, if I could recreate the imagery that was a like checkbox on success. Mm. What that did was remove the energetic dynamic that is literally the communication that's happening energetically flying back and forth between the two people. You know, to put it in a sentence, because uh, I got asked this the other night, I said it went from creating a beautiful, vi- or not even beautiful, but a visual scene. That was the old way under porn. That was what I was obsessed with. That was, was like, fuck yeah, I got it. To now... What I'm after is the tiniest change in my partner's breath. Mm. That's what I'm hunting. I don't give a shit what it looks like, what, how, like the positioning we're in. I may not even be touching her. We, not, we may not even be undressed. But when I hear the breath change and I feel that shift in her body, something in my brain goes off and goes, I fucking own you now. <laughs> and that makes me happy. And so that dictates a whole nother set of ingredients into this sexual buffet. Mm. Before I was just looking at the display of the food, but I didn't give a fuck what the the ingredients were. And it it limited so much of what I would do, what I could do and what I wanted to do because it took feeling out of it, which holy shit is most of it's not now 99.9% of the sexual experience. Yeah. And I, you know, the, one of the reasons why I bring it up is a great book by a guy named Jay Stinger or Jay Stringer called Unwanted. Mm. Um, I have him, I, I think he's coming on the show next week or the week after, but he has done a ton of research on porn and the impacts of mm. porn on, on men and on relationships and sexual abuse and all that kind of stuff. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a pretty, pretty uh, light dive, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he talks a lot about porn being like we will sexualize our wounding 
yeah, will sexualize sure. our, our, our trauma, our wounding, our abuse, our abandonment from our childhood. Yeah. And then that will then inform how we show up in relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for me in my, in my 20s, like porn was definitely an issue. Mm-hmm. And not in the sense that I had a healthy relationship to it, in the sense that I would go to it when I wanted a distraction or mm-hmm. when I was lonely or when I was upset or when I you know, was overwhelmed and needed a release. And so porn was like a, a drug in a way that I would go to when I needed something that I didn't know how to give myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a lot of men's versions of sexuality, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, I feel like I can't explore this with my partner. I don't know how to explain it. And so I will go and find it in porn or mm-hmm. what, you know, whatever that, that form is. So how, from your perspective, like what would be your pitch for guys like to shift their relationship to porn? You know, it's, it's always fascinating when you throw a question or comment or challenge up on man talks facebook page about porn yeah the like the porn defenders come out with their spears oh yeah yeah. it's like you you know fuck this and and literally it's like oh boy guys yeah if we had this was any other medium if we were like hey let's take a month off drinking yeah people wouldn't be like look at this heart disease study you're killing men so i always say the proof is in the pudding go try it right here's the deal You can always go back to porn, but go 60 days, 90 days, see what happens to your sex life, see what happens to your body, see what happens to your anxiety levels, see what happens to your relationship. If you're in a relationship, holy shit. If you're actively having sex, holy shit. Like I can't give guys the experience of what my sex life was like before porn and what it's like after porn. Mm. But if I could bottle that and sell it, <laughs> porn would be out of business yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. So, right? well so try it. Try, just try the experiment. What, it, what happens. I, I find that it almost like forces guys to get real honest with what is not happening in their relationship or what they have been wanting to explore and ask for. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it, it, it confronts them, right? It challenges them to say like, okay, these are the things that I've wanted to explore, you know, mm-hmm. I like, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit more about power dynamics. So when it comes sure. to power dynamics and let's just say dominant submissive, what are some of the important pieces that you think people need to know when they are starting out in this space? And how would you describe the power dynamic of dominant and submissive to begin with? Definitely. So here's, I get guys that ask me this all the time of, when do I get to tie her up and tell her what to do? (laughs) When she trusts you, Yeah. when she feels safe around you, And when she knows that underneath all of this is a sense of care. So what is your intention? So that's, that's the building blocks. And they're like, Oh fuck, that's not what I wanted to hear. I'm like, cool, let's do this. You trust me, right? We just met an hour ago. Let me tie you up, get you naked. And I'm going to hang out behind you for a little while and whatever, like, we'll just see what happens. And you can can stop anytime. And their their eyes get like that big. (laughs) See, it's a little bit different to be in that vulnerable situation. So first is establishing that. And I will say it and say it and say it and say it. That is established outside of the bedroom. So, oh, you lie. She's catching you on your phone. You say you're going to go to the gym and you don't go to the gym. You're not paying the bills and you said you're paying the bills. It doesn't matter what conversation you have about like, believe me, when you say the safe word, I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge it. It's like, well... You sort of lie in every other area. So, hmm. So you start there. Mm. You start with your integrity and you build your integrity with that person. So she knows that this is a man of integrity. This is a man who, when he gets angry, has a lid that he can take off of that and discuss with me. He has communication skills. I trust him. Mm -hmm. That's the, like, I trust him globally, not just microly or whatever the word is. And so we start with that. And to me, a power dynamic is simply someone gets to dictate, someone is the go, someone is the flow, someone is the penetration, someone is the surrender, Mm. someone is leading, someone is following. That's the whole power dynamic. Yeah. And I I think it's naturally set up in sex. 
And oftentimes it doesn't mean that power dynamic can't switch, but it's also someone is responsible for the entire scene, the entire room, who, who's whatever happens until it's done. And even after it's done, someone is actually responsible. And that is decided beforehand. And that does not change until it's like, high five, we're good. We've done, we've hung out for half an hour. You make, do you want some water? Is there anything you need for me to put you back together? Okay. All right. Beautiful. Now we're back to non Now I like, tell me to go get you something. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a great um, description and a great boundary. And I think just to tie that back into porn, I think the interesting thing is that when you watch uh, part of Jay Stringer's work is that he actually talks about the type of porn that you watch will actually tell you some of your wounding. So he can sort of tell you like, you know, based on the porn that you watch, mm-hmm. you can kind of dictate, not dictate, but see the type of shit that happened in your childhood. Mm-hmm. And porn is all about pyrodynamics, right? Like the classic pizza delivery guy and the really wealthy woman, you know, and the pizza you know, is getting delivered. And that's all, that's all power, right? It's all power dynamics. And, and so, you know, everybody fantasizes about that in some degree or another. So, okay, when it comes to the role of the dominant and then the role of the submissive, mm-hmm. what are some of the important pieces that you think people need to know about? Again, there needs to be a conversation. Hmm. There needs to be a set of like, what's green light, what's yellow light, what's red light beforehand. So the consent conversation is what turns you on and what do you love? What may aggravate you, but you actually don't mind if it's mixed in because this isn't all supposed to be pleasure. It's supposed Hmm. to be a push and a pull. And then what are your hard lines? What are your hard limits? And those need to be articulated and there needs to be a plug pull. Mm. period fucking period so if i've ever played with someone who's like oh i don't have i don't use safe words i don't have i'm not into that i'm like cool so i can shove a fork in your eye <laughs> oh no we actually do have some hard limits cool what are they yeah, yeah otherwise i'm not interested in, in just beating the fuck out of you that's that's not what we're here for yeah so i would say first uh that conversation needs to be had so the dominant understands what ingredients he gets to play with or she gets to play with mm. And then he or she gets to orchestrate within that. So, oh, I have 50 ingredients here. I want to mix a little bit of sweet, a little bit of salty, a little bit of spice, Mm, a little more spice, a little more spice. I'm going to, I'm going to take something away. So then he then gets to go, trust me, I'm going to take you somewhere you can't go on your own. Mm. And she has to go, okay, or I'm just using the heteronormatively here. Yeah. Someone needs to then relax into, okay, I'm going to get taken on that ride. Yeah. Right. And the surrender piece and probably beforehand should discuss, this is why I love this. This is what this means to me outside of just friction, right? Have the conversation so that you as the dominant also understand what are you orchestrating? Yeah. And I think that's the important piece is, is, understanding why it's pleasurable for the person who's in the submissive role is that if you don't understand that you might just go back to the same thing over and over again or you don't you don't necessarily have the the different colors on the palette to actually mm-hmm. play with right so you want to mm-hmm. you want to be able to understand like you know sex is psychological in many ways it's not just this like no 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 it's 100% psychological right mm-hmm. and you know i think about some of the uh, I mean, some of the porn that I used to watch, but some of the porn that, you know, guys will be watching and they'll talk about these, these very psychological things that are happening within the porn. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a huge part of it. So like before we jumped on air, you were telling me about a dinner that you were at some like dinner series. And there was, <laughs> I'm like putting you right on the spot. Um, <laughs> I think I said like, let's not talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. But you know, this is, this is interesting, right? Like we're, we're actually filming a, a video series next week. And one of the guys that's going to be on the show, cause we're doing a, an episode about porn. Yeah. And one of the guys that's on the show is his media company produces pornography. And they do a whole bunch of other stuff. But one of the things that they do is like a sex education night, you know, some food and stuff like that. But it's, it's pretty open. And it's at a sex club. And so like the, the whole thing, like they, they asked us if we wanted to go to this like after party. And I was like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but being at those types of spaces, I think can be confronting for certain types of people. So tell me about the dinner. Sure. Uh, and, and just the dynamic there. Sure. So this was like... 
it was a kink themed birthday party. So the owners of this, it was a private home. Uh, the owners of the home are, have been in the kink community for a number of years, teach it within the kink community, et cetera. And the party was set up with three different floors where there was like heaven, hell, purgatory, uh, <laughs> just, to, just to have a theme to it. And the downstairs was this old school. They turned it into like a 1950s cigar smoking area. And throughout that, so this was the dynamic down there. If you went down there, you were assigned a slave. Hmm. Whether you were a man or a woman, you were, or you were assigned whichever your preference. So there were women with women, there were men with men, there were men with women. And that person had one of three different armbands on, signifying the level of, are you just able to tell them what to do? Hmm. Are you just able to tell them to what to do and touch them? Are you just able to tell them what to do and touch them sexually? Mm. And so when I first got into the party, I was hanging out in the, uh, in the foyer, we'll call it. And there was a person there who had an armband on. I was like, okay, come here. Uh, I have questions for you. And <laughs> since you're not allowed to not answer, you have to answer them. So here we go. What, what, is, what are you doing? Why do you love this? And she's like, I love it. I love being of service. I love being told what to do. This is one of the few spaces in society that I can operate with complete understanding and, uh, and acceptance. She's like, I don't, and I, I talked to her for probably an hour and a half and it was, she's like, I don't really identify as a man. I don't identify as a woman. I don't really identify as queer. Uh, I have, I'm polyamorous. So I'm the third in this relationship, the primary in this relationship and something else. And this scenario, I can't, I can't go to my job and say, by the way, you know, I love being told what to do. I love being told what to do sexually. It makes me feel complete. There's, I've been like this since I was 14. Nothing happened to me. I don't have a history of trauma and abuse and rape. But man, what do, where else do I do this? And everybody here, because of the dynamic of the party and the dynamic of the house, has so much more acceptance for me than anywhere else in my life. Mm. So while people may walk by this party and be like, oh my God, there's perver per perverts in there. There's depravity in there. It's horrible. How can anybody even engage in this activity? But for the people inside, they had so much more of an open mind and so much more of respect of, hey, like there's a thing of, you know, don't shame anybody's kink just because it's not yours. Mm -hmm. And that we don't see in society. We don't. And I remember in, even in the dating world, Connor, having women ask me for things sexually and say, I'm so terrified to ask you for this because the last five guys I did called me a slut, told me I was broken, told me something was wrong with me and I was a horrible person. And I was like, oh, wow, that's not okay. Mm. Uh, I'm so sorry that was your experience. And this party was just a microcosm of that, of, oh, here's actually, what if we were all honest? Right? Like, what if tomorrow everybody's internet history got made public? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think a lot of people standing on soapboxes would climb down and join the masses who say, man, the current paradigm doesn't work. And so yeah. the, the power dynamic to me is such a natural expression of masculine and feminine. Be that in a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Be that in men and men, women and women. It's just a natural expression of the dynamic. And as that dynamic gets blurrier and blurrier in society, or we are asked to live in the opposite dynamic than our nature, then we need a place where we can come home and celebrate that dynamic hmm. and let that be not just healing, but invigorating, uh, accentuating, etc. I, I know so many women who are high powered CEOs, entrepreneurs, single mothers crush it all day long and say, I just want someone to take control in the bedroom and mm -hmm. let me shut my brain off and take me on a ride. And I can't find it Yeah, because men are afraid of it or men can't do it or they can't hold the space for it or they shame me for even having this, this thought. Yeah. And so let's, let's explore that a little bit because I think there is a challenge. You know, I think we hear different versions of this, uh, I know through a man talks to a bunch of the events that we've done, I hear a lot of women say like, oh, where, you know, 
some different iterations of where are the quote unquote real men? Like where have all the great men gone? Where are they? And, and sometimes when you, when I've dug it a little bit deeper, it's like, well, what do you actually mean by that? Mm. And, and it's like, well, there's really nice guys out there, Mm -hmm. but where are the guys that are emotionally connected that are intellectually connected, but who also will lead, will also take charge sometimes, especially in the bedroom mm-hmm. and where I, where I can just surrender. And no, not every woman wants to say that and wants to experience that, right? That's, mm-hmm. That would be a generalization. But, but in, in some of these experiences, that's definitely present. And so I think for a lot of, uh, for a lot of women, they, they're having that experience of what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So what are some of the challenges that you think or, why do you think that's showing up for so many men that they're struggling to step into that space of taking leadership in the bedroom in a healthy way? Because they've been shamed by the, the mass media, uh, the collective masculine shaming mm-hmm. that anything that represents power or a power dynamic that puts men on top is dangerous and therefore scary and therefore shameful. So we've taken the, we've looked at, I think, my opinion, the worst of societal actions of men, and then map that across to all men. And so those guys most likely are afraid they're going to end up on a blog. Mm. They're afraid they're going to end up being outed on Monday morning for something that wasn't their intention. And I'm not talking about anything that crosses lines here. I'm talking about within the consensual conversation, they're still afraid. You know, I had a client that uh, he told me, he, he brought this, this woman home after a date and they watched, they, the date went great. I think it was their second or third date. The date went great. Uh, they sat there and watched a movie all night. And then finally at the end of the movie, she said she wanted to go home. And he was like, I didn't get it. Like she didn't make a move. She didn't do anything. Like, you know, it sucked. And I was like, did you, did you make a move? Did, did, and making a move, I know sounds juvenile. Did you try to initiate any kind of physical sexual contact? He was like, fuck no, man. I don't want to get me too Yeah. And I went, oh, I guarantee you she's having this exact same conversation with her girlfriend of why the fuck didn't he try? What, what was, what's wrong with where are all the good men? Yeah. But his literal answer was, I don't want to get me too Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, that's in guys. Yeah, it absolutely is. I think in the we've seen in the man talks community, and it, it's it's a it's a challenging thing I think to bring forward for you know I think for some women to hear as well because it's like mm-hmm. well is there a real impact of it and it's you know it's challenging because the the conversation of me too needed to happen right mm-hmm. it needed to come 100%. forward and and you know more of it will continue to unfold and the guys who need to be called out will get called out and that will mm-hmm. continue to happen there's no doubt about that and i think that some guys who are naturally a little bit more reserved and hesitant mm-hmm. and and they you know they're concerned about some of those things they are more pensive they are mm-hmm. le- they're more apprehensive about actually being able to say oh, i'm really interested in you or right. hey right. i i really yeah. want to yeah, even that, like, I, hey, I really want to kiss you. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that a lot of those things are, are starting to be withheld. What about, um, what about like upbringing? How do you see upbringing play, playing into that? I think that we, so many of us, and I'll speak personally, we're conditioned to the worst thing you can do, the worst offense in life is upsetting the feminine. Be that your mother, be that women in general, be that your school teacher, like happy wife, happy life. If, if the mom's <laughs> unhappy, the house is unhappy. Right? I hate that saying, by the, the way. Greatest divorce push it's, ever. Yeah, it's just like when I hear guys saying like happy wife, happy life, I'm like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. There's some divorce attorney's kid going to college on that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I'm like, we got it. We, Vienna and I did a, a panel uh, a few months ago and somebody asked like, what's the what's the worst belief you can have in a relationship and i I said that i was like happy wife happy life good for you and a few people were like what and then i explained like well here's here's why you know and uh i think it really helped a lot of people understand that when we buy into these perspectives that we that's like a it's a form of muting men you know and we have lots of forms of muting women in relationships and they can understand right? right there's there's a lot of of um, you know phrases and sayings that that 
take away women's voices in relationships. For sure. And that's one that, that definitely uh, puts men into a box. So, yeah. okay. So that's, that's a great context. Anything else that you see where men carry around shame around expressing their true sexual desires or sexual nature? Yeah, I think men need to do the work, Connor, of am I okay asking for this? And am I okay asking for this? And am I 110% okay if she says no? Mm. Am I going to internalize that as this massive rejection? Am I going to freak out and then go all inside and start tearing myself apart? Oh, you had no right to ask that. You know, you're, there's something wrong with you. You're a bad guy. So whatever, all the way down to the micro of when a man is clear and unapologetic, that actually makes the asking of the desire come across in such a much safer way. Mm. So hear that again. If guys are, if you're ashamed of what you're asking for, then most likely it's going to come across in a way that's muddy, that's messy, that's not clear. And, and I, I do this with guys all the time to say, ask for your desires from your stomach. And until you can do that, where it's, hey, I'm clear about this. This is what I like. This is what I love. This is what I want to try. This is what I'm in. This is what, let's just put it in one blanket sentence. This is what turns me on. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to turn you on, but this is what turns me on. And here's the rub. If you don't ask for it and you're unwilling to ask for it and you're in a long-term relationship, brother, it will shoot out sideways and you will find a way. Mm -hmm. And that way will kill your relationship faster than asking honestly about, hey, you know what I'd really like? I'd love it if, if I could tie you up and fuck you. Mm. That's a far less dangerous sentence than, hey, I've been jerking off a lot to rape porn mm. in the back room for the last three years. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okie dokie now. We're getting divorced. And rightly so. Yeah. Right? There has been dishonesty. So I think men, we need to own it. It's, it's, it comes back to over and over and over. It's not the question. It's not, hey, can I tie you up? Or, hey, will you go down on me? Hey, will you suck my dick? Mm. It's how you ask it and the energy from which it's coming. Yeah. That necessitates all the work. I think I've told you the story of Michaela Bohm. Uh, all of us, I, I did a men's workshop with her and it was 40 guys in the room. And this was day two of this workshop. And she goes, do you, she just stopped and kind of got frustrated. And I was like, do you guys want to know the key? Like, do you want to know the secret to getting your woman to just fully surrendering and opening and, and exploring every sexual desire of your life and having this like magnanimous sex life? And I was like, fuck, tell me the key. Like <laughs> blood coming out of my eyeballs. Like, yes. And she sat there and paused and paused and pause, and then went, go home and get your shit together. Go to therapy, mm -hmm. figure out your mommy issues, figure out everywhere in your life that you're dishonest outside of the bedroom. And there was this collective, like heartbreaking sigh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me like a secret <laughs> sentence that yeah. I can just like up, bring down, in. up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the gaming, the gaming cheat code. Yeah. yeah. So good. Right. It's like, true. I, I didn't get it back then, but get it now that the feminine can sense, oh, you're not a truthful person. You don't have my best interests at heart. And it's such a vulnerable position to be in, to be being penetrated, to being bound, to being acknowledging a power dynamic with someone who is so much bigger and stronger than you are. Most likely that we as men often don't understand that, that I can come up to you and be like, Connor, you're scary as fuck. And you're like, me? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really feel that way. But to a woman, you may be. Just simply by your the size difference and strength difference, right? We don't live with that. So I think that needs to come into the care. That's why we need to double down on the consent conversation. We need to make sure it's crystal, crystal clear. So what I think you're saying is this. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, I think I sort of got it. Okay, let's do this. Oh, oh, wow, we missed that whole thing. And now there's a, a misunderstanding. And now I'm piecing back together safety and, and trust. No, get all of that established up front. And if you, I wrote this in, in my book. If you can't have this conversation, 
you're not ready to have sex. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, if your partner can't have it, neither is he or she. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important asterisk to this whole conversation, you know, to everything that we've been talking about, which is if you can't have the conversation with your partner, it probably means that there is some serious work that you need to go and do, you know, insert plug for men's weekend, (laughs) 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 insert plug for Traver's uh, course. But you know, it's, it's so, it's so true. It's so true because until that happens, you know, I, like you're saying, like, I mean, I think we were talking about this before we jumped in the call, but like the feminine can smell fear, you know, it knows when you are out of integrity, whether it's the feminine within a female partner or a male partner, it knows. And, and here's the other thing, which I, uh, which I think I alluded to before is like your dick can tell, you know, your penis can tell. And I have, you know, I've worked with guys in the past who are like, oh, I don't understand why I'm losing my erection under these conditions. And da, da, da. I, you know, I can't seem to be able to receive pleasure. You know, I have blocks around that. It's like, well, it's not because your penis isn't functioning properly. Mm-hmm. It's because your heart and your mind and your guts, uh, there's something out of whack. You feel ashamed because of something that happened in your childhood or in a past relationship where a partner said something. And, mm-hmm. you know, so those things need to be healed through so that you can stand in front of your partner and have the conversation so that later on that day or the next day, you can you can really claim and own what it is that you want and say it and verbalize it from a place just like you were ordering a pizza, right? Like it should be that simple, mm-hmm. you know, it should be that easy where you can say, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully a little bit more sexy than I want a pepper. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the, both the beauty, the curse, I'll just say the beauty and the curse of black, if you want to get to like black belt level sex, then your heart needs to be involved. Yeah. So guys hearing this, it's like, fuck. Yeah. I can have, you can have great pornographized sex. You can hit all the positions. You can look in the mirror and catch yourself and give yourself the wink. You know, you can, you can do all of that. But if you really want to get to upper level, like deep communicative, more than seven minute long, where there's a whole journey and a ride that you and your partner go on, your heart has to be involved. Yeah. And if your heart's questioning and doesn't trust your partner, even as men, I think we need to have this conversation your heart will shoot an email down to your dick. It's like, Hey, we're out by the way, fuck this. And your dick's like, whoop, sorry. Yep. I just left the party. Yep. And guys wonder, Oh, is it just physical? Oh, I shouldn't have had two cups of coffee. Oh, I had too much. Nope. Your heart's going, I don't trust this person. Mm. I don't. And you need to listen to that. Like we're so into how do we, uh, how do we perform? How do we perform that we don't give ourselves even uh, permission to believe our intuition and go, wow, okay, cool. I don't need pills for this. I need to find someone who I can actually sit down and have a conversation. And her action or his action hasn't been out of integrity and out of an incongruent yeah. throughout our relationship. Well, and it, and it builds it builds strength, resiliency, it builds grit, it builds confidence within us when we have done that work. You know, we can actually show up with our partners and and say those things and say what we want right there's i don't know if you've seen the new brene brown uh like documentary on netflix it's amazing but mm-hmm. she has this great moment in the documentary or in like the special whatever it is and she's talking about how vulnerability can't exist without courage mm. it's, it's impossible mm-hmm. for vulnerability to exist without courage and she said i was she said i was speaking uh, at a um, at a military base in front of like 500 veterans, and she she said, "I I dare you to find me an example where someone uh, used courage, and it didn't require vulnerability." And apparently, one guy stood up, and I can't remember exactly what he says, but something along the lines of, "No battle has been fought without without vulnerability." Mm-hmm. And this is so true when it comes to the bedroom. It's like we want to be these. I think one of the big challenges that I've seen a lot of guys face when we get really honest is that we don't want to be vulnerable in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And there is a vulnerability of saying, This is what I want to explore, or this is what I would really like to experience, or this is what I would love to do to you. There mm-hmm. is a vulnerability there because you might get rejected. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, it might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the conversation and and the work leading up to it is so incredibly important. So 
part of there's also a vulnerability in dominance. Mm. Yeah, you're actually you opening, that? yeah, you're you're saying to your partner, whatever happens here, I got it. Mm-hmm. Whether they break down and start crying, whether they have an emotional challenge, whether there's like snot flying across the room or blood, whatever happens, I got this. Yeah. You really open yourself up to, I'm gonna stay here throughout this entire ride, no matter what happens. I am not leaving, I got you. Yeah. And while that sounds super masculine and strong and leadershipy, there's a ton of vulnerability in it. It's I trust you to trust me. Yeah. That's vulnerable. Well, and to, to feel the sensitivity, to feel your partner, mm-hmm. you have to be open. I feel like it, it comes back to a lot of our resistance with the unknown. You know, I see a lot of uh, like so many of the men that they come to work with me and and that, that I just like meet and, and interact with at events that, that I speak at. And I'm, I don't know if this is your experience, but there is a, a massive apprehension and avoidance and form of dysfunction, in my opinion, with the unknown, mm-hmm. with not knowing what's going to happen. Like when you start, when you start to explore in these areas in sex and intimacy, or even in your life, there's so much shit that you don't know what's going to happen. But mm-hmm. it does take that courage and vulnerability to say, whatever it is, I'll, I'll have it. I got it, you know, and I got you and I got us. Mm-hmm. And so, and so like, let's, let's move forward with this because you might not know how things are going to unfold. You might, you know, you might explore something with your partner and they, they do break down crying. Right. And that might be uncomfortable for you. So how do you address that? Mm-hmm. But if you can't, and I think that's the part of the resistance for so many men is I don't, you know, the story that they tell themselves is I don't think I can handle what mm-hmm. might happen. Mm-hmm. right? What if they do this? What if they say that? What if mm-hmm. they reject this? It's like, oh, I don't know if I can handle those things. So I better not enter into that space. So how do you, uh, uh, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. What do you tell guys in that space? How do you help them move through the, or start to cultivate the resistance or the resiliency around being able to face the unknown, especially in the bedroom, which there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They start small. Hmm. So as opposed to jumping again from white belt to black belt and saying, I can handle anything in between as I tie you to the roof and do all this power dynamic and and throw you around and blah, blah, blah. It's just saying, I'm okay with not knowing. You know, I walk into every, if I have a, a power dynamic sexual scene, we'll call it coming up. I have a loose sketch, I think, of what I want to do with this person because I've thought it through. What does she need? What does she taught? What does she asked for? What do I need? What am I asking for? And then go, but there's about a mile of flex in the middle of that. And so often I'll start going left and be like, nope, she's not reacting the way I thought. Boom. We're going all the way right. Mm. And so the practice too, because the bedroom is so highly charged, I say it's like life hooked up to like three car batteries, practice it outside of the bedroom. Mm. So how well are you holding space in a conversation? If you, if you can't hold space in a conversation that's seven degrees turned up emotionally, how are you going to handle going from like what just mind blowing sex to tears like that? And it's not because let's just put the asterisk. It's not because someone's hurt. Yeah. It's because a huge emotion just came out. Are you willing to immediately go, this isn't about me. It's not about my dick. It's not about me getting off. It's about me now holding space for this person and saying, hey, everything's going to be fine. Go ahead. Cry it out. What, what, do you, what can I do for you? What do you need? How can I hold you? And then deciding after that, hmm, now what do we do? Is it done? Has this, are, are we over here? Or do we want to reestablish what we were just building Mm-hmm. It starts with how do you handle shit going haywire in any situation, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Which is, I which had is... A, I'm sorry, I'll tell you a funny story. Yeah. I had this whole scene, this was like a year ago, set up with this girl. We had like all this detail planned out. She was going to come into my house. It was going to be the situation. And about two minutes in, without even touching her, her nose explodes in blood. She's just like, oh my God, I've been getting nosebleeds for the past few days. There's like blood all over the wall. And it's really, <laughs> I was like, okay, here's a tissue, right? And I'm, she's like, I'm so sorry, I'm bleeding all over the place. Like, doesn't matter. We're going to clean it up. I can go to the dry cleaner. But just that of how do you handle shit going wrong at work? 
Mm. How do you handle shit going wrong, especially with your partner? Let's say maybe wrong is not the right word, but going differently than you hoped it would. Mm -hmm. That's where you do your practice. Yeah. And I, I think most people probably use the word wrong, which is, right. which is very accurate. Right. Um, but it's, it's what, what do you do when things work out? Not how you expected. Yeah. Right. And like, I think one of my favorite sayings is like every failure is just an altered state of expectations. It just, it's just that it's just that you like some form of an expectation didn't get met or it's different than you expected. And right. that's all it is. That's, that's what failure is. Right. And how we, how we face that and handle that is so important. So look, man, this was great. I feel like we could talk about sex yeah. and intimacy for hours and hours and do like, you know, the two and a half hour Joe yeah, Rogan yeah, yeah. <laughs> sex special, <laughs> especially with like the MMA comparisons, you know, it's like non nonstop. Um, yeah, man. But where, uh, anything else that you want to leave people with anything else that you just want to invite them and invite them into in terms of, you know, sex and intimacy and exploration when it comes to the bedroom. You know, I think we can just rehash the, 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 the things that just are fundamental are creating trust mm. and you create trust with both your actions and your communication. And for men listening to this, you create it by taking complete ownership. First of all, of you, of your life, of your emotional life, and then actually saying to your partner and meaning it, I got you. Mm -hmm. If that is there, that is the most beautiful foundation upon which you can build the wildest, craziest, most explorative, expressive sex life ever. Mm. And if that's not there, you're not going to build jack shit. So we, we don't have to get into, or we don't have time to get into sex as a healing modality, sex as an inspirational modality. But know, guys, that there's so much more to this. But again, you're not going to go up through the ranks until you get that trust, care, safety established. And you get it established with yourself first. Mm. If you don't trust you, then you're, you're, you're fucked before you're getting fucked. Yeah, and I, and I love that. And I think it just ties into the consent conversation that we were talking mm -hmm. about, you know, it's like, I think so many of us guys, I know there's a huge time in my life where I had a shitty relationship to giving myself consent, you know, it's like giving myself permission, we could just use a different word, mm -hmm. right? And, and there would be times where I would say no to myself, like, no, I'm not going to go to the bar tonight. No, I'm not going to go get shit faced. No, I'm not going to hook up with that person. And then what would happen? I'd do it anyway. Right. right. I would just go do it anyway. And so there's no self-trust in being able to say no to ourselves. And mm -hmm. so I think that's half the battle is mm -hmm. when we can start to really master the self. No, then then we respect our partners. Then we can mm -hmm. really hear it and we can take it. And it's a it's a huge integral part of consent mm -hmm. is being able to to not only ask for is this OK, but to be able to, to hear a no. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, man. So what you're saying there, just, uh, that's massive. It's, it's gotten this weird skewed. Yeah. Uh, but I love the way you put it as it's just permission. Yeah. It's per here's what I give you permission to do. Yeah. Which in any human situation, I'll go back to MMA, right? You have my permission to punch me in the face, kick me in the leg and try to choke me unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's given, then it's cool. If it's not, it's called assault. And yeah. You can't yeah. Fail for it. Yes. So the exact same activity. Yeah. So let's just double down on that for, for, guy, for anyone listening that make your consent so clear. Yeah. Make it so communicative. Explain why you're bringing it up, how yeah. important it is to you, because we do carry the burden of consent. I remember first when someone said that to me, I got super angry. I was like, what the fuck? Why aren't women, why aren't they responsible for their own consent? I went, well, I don't care. Because at the end of the day, I'm the one going to jail. So I'm going to make sure that it's so crystal clear, mm -hmm. so crystal clear. And if it's going to be anything aberrant, I may ask for it in a text. And I may ask for it in a screenshot. I may ask for it in any other form that I think, okay, cool. It's clear here, right? We've talked about it. It's written down. Okay, good. Yeah. Damn. And just the act of doing that lets your partner know like, oh, this guy really gives a shit. Yeah, this guy actually does care. So if something is uncoordinated or uh, challenging, at least they know it's like uh, in in 
people are far less likely to sue in business if they actually know you give a shit about them. Like, oh, you made a mistake. Yeah. That's okay. People make mistakes. If they don't think you care and they make a mistake, it's okay. I'm suing your ass. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just to just to put like the bow on that. It's like what you're saying is that the your like the partner's permission matters a lot. Yeah. You know, it matters a lot when we're just clear about it. And it's like, look, this is like this is what we want to experience. This is what we want to try. Do yeah. I have your permission? Yes or no? Yeah. And and it's okay to have a no. I'm good with hundred percent. You know, and and it can be a no right now. It can be a yeah. no forever. It can just yeah. be just be a no, and that's fine. And um, I you know I, I remember one of my partners who who brought that in where we started having conversations about you know certain things that we wanted to bring into the bedroom, and I I specifically remember her breaking down because she was like I can, I feel like I can tell you no and you actually understand and I was like man mm-hmm. like and and so I think just understanding that you know many people, men and women are alike, are, are concerned that, you know, their no is not going to be heard or that their permission doesn't even matter. Right. right. And I think that's the important piece. And when we can make that permission important, then, then there's a whole different type of respect that shows up in that space. And I've said this before, there's a great quote by Friedrich Nietzsche, who says, intimacy is always bad intimacy unless done with an equal. Mm. And what do we do with equals? Right. Mm. We respect them. We be respectful. And mm-hmm. there's always a permission. You know, there's mm-hmm. always there's always a, a permission that's there with an equal and and that respect shows up. So mm-hmm. man, this was uh awesome. Super Thank solid. You. I'm glad that we got to close in on yeah. on consent on the end yeah. there. I think that's a hugely important piece, especially when it comes to the power dynamics that we're talking about. And um yeah. So hopefully everyone tuned and, into and the very I hope end. people get that the like on the consent category the things in the no aren't let me fucking hang out and trespass and knock on the nose door like all night long and hope that maybe it changes it's hey i have all of these great ingredients to play with so the no's are no's and, yeah. and spend your time and energy on the yeses and if you want to delve just a bit deeper ask why it's a turn on ask why it's a turn off you're going to get so much more information to then play with yeah. And your partner is going to go, holy fuck, no one's ever asked me this. Yeah, they've just this kept knocking at the door yeah. <laughs> trying to so get in. Anybody home? Anybody home? Which is fucking disgusting. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. So good. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to end. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Connor. So good, man. Well, listen, thanks so much for being on the show mm-hmm. with me again today. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions that you want to talk about within sex and intimacy, power dynamics, um, any, any of these pieces, uh, please hit me and Trevor up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's at Trevor Bohm. And we'll have the link in the show notes uh, to him, his website, social media, uh, some of the great stuff that he's got coming up. Uh, I know you've got a course coming out soon mm-hmm. uh, on sex. On and this. Yeah, yeah, all about this. Uh, so we'll have a link to all that in the show notes if you want to check out that and dive, dive a little bit deeper, uh, maybe with your partner. And uh, don't forget to leave us a rating and review. If you want to share this conversation, don't forget to man it forward and share it with just one person goes a long way to getting it into the ears and phones of other people. But most importantly, um, these conversations need to happen, you know, especially that last piece about consent, I think is so important and a great context for a lot of men and women to to hear and understand. Um, So until next week, it's Connor Beaton. Uh, Signing off, join me next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual. 